0: back to Chatting Rabbis. This is Eliezer Zalmanov in Munster, Indiana. Hi, Mendy Hittrick from Istanbul, Turkey. Another week and another episode, as we say. And it's good to see you. It's good to be talking to you, Mendy. And I know just a little behind the scenes for our listeners that whenever I don't hear from Mendy for a few days, I know that he's pretty busy and he has something going on. Most of us... Uh, are not as busy as Mendy is, so uh, we're always available and we were always reachable, but uh, if Mendy goes offline for a couple of days, you know that something really serious is going on or something good and something busy. So uh, I haven't heard from you, Mendy, in a few days, so what's going on?
1: Um, yes, I am still online, you know, it's one of the weak, my weakest points, at least uh, as far as my kids and my wife are, are concerned, is the fact that I'm always online, and I... Uh, it has become, and I think we spoke about it before, that some people have uh, come to be, uh, to, you know, they've become very used to the fact that I respond immediately on WhatsApp and email. And if uh, 10 15 minutes pass and they did not get the response, they start sending frantic emails and messages. And what happened? How come we didn't respond yet?
0: Maybe it's out of, out of real concern. They they're really concerned for your for your safety and for your for your well-being.
1: Yeah, if they would be concerned about my well-being, they should be happy that I gave myself a fifteen-minute break um, <laughs> from being from being online. And it's really it's a bad habit. I know it's a cost, uh, it costs. It I pay dearly for it for this bad habit. It's it's an addiction like any other addictions, and. Um, I do have to find ways of of curbing this 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 addiction I promised myself on my birthday that that's what I'm gonna do haven't gotten around to it and it's really
0: really no good but be that as it may when you do get busy you find a way to to curb your online
1: yeah exactly as as you say yes I I was also quite busy this week we have had here um, uh, I mean I've been busy in the past. Uh, Quite a few years, but anyway, but this past week had uh, two very important events. Um, one of them that I wanted to, to bring up, and we hosted here a group of uh, 600 and something young students from uh, the former Soviet Union, mostly from Russia, together with the chief rabbi of Russia, Rabbi Berel Lazar, and an entourage of some th- 30 to 50 rabbis, Chabad Shluchim, from all over Russia and the former Soviet Union. Um, these uh, youngsters came with a group of uh, called Yahad, or Eurostars, whatever they call it, um, and that is, uh, these kids, uh, students, or I think uh, past teenage uh, youngsters, have a, uh, a certain curriculum which they have to cover during the year, prepared by JLI, uh, Jewish Learning Institute from New York. And if they attend a certain amount of classes or go through uh, various courses, they are then um, taken on a grand trip somewhere in uh, in Europe, or you know, but a grand trip. And usually, uh, um, pre-war or pre-Special Operation Russia, or whatever you want to call it, they would uh, charter two planes. And have a trip either to Auschwitz or to, and from there to some other European capital, and have a whole week um, treat for those kids. And the purpose, the multi purpose of this trip is first of all to get the youngsters to to get to know each other, and hopefully, you have a Jewish continuity from there. And um, learning in itself, connecting them to uh, to Jewish heritage, Jewish community. to strengthening their affiliation to their Jewish community, to their history, to our shared history, I think it's really, really a beautiful, beautiful um, program, which the uh, Chabad in Russia um, is really investing a lot, a lot of resources, money. It's it's a huge, huge cost to pick up to do an event like that. It's not in your hometown. It's not the current heights. One weekend Shabbos or teenager, whatever it is. It is a, a week-long, um, very entertainment-filled weekend. It um, has to be filled of entertainment. It has to be both appropriate, Jewishly, and entertaining for the youth at this appropriate age. And it's, it's quite a big undertaking, both uh, financially um, and on all aspects logistically you know gonna feed the, an army for for 10 days traveling army
0: arrange I mean, buses tours you said this was before the war
1: that's right pre-war this year uh, I think last year they, they flew to Morocco and this year they came to Turkey they uh, they got on a cruise that cruise ship that was fully rented for this these youngsters picked them up in uh, in Russia. And had a few stops in uh, in Turkey in various cities, and they stopped over for two days here in Istanbul. They came. Um, they were received yesterday by the Chief Rabbi, the of Turkey, and the leaders of the Turkish Jewish community at the Neve Shalom Synagogue. The very beautiful and moving uh, uh, ceremony, uh, welcome, um, some prayers, some uh, speeches, food. And it was really, really wonderful and moving to see it. a sort of clash of, uh, of traditions. You have these, um, not purely Ashkenazi uh, community, it came from Russia because some Jews came from Azerbaijan, some Kabkazi Jews, mountain Jews, and uh, Georgian, the uh, Georgian Jews. But still uh, coming here to Istanbul, to the Neveshalom Synagogue, which is the seat of the Sephardic uh, traditions of Turkey. And having them all together, it was—it's quite wonderful. The wonderful undertaking. Wonderful—the um, whole thing was was really a wonderful thing. And then today, they were walking around and and um, spent uh, spent time at the ancient Jewish, uh, ancient synagogues, six hundred-year-old Achrida synagogue, Yambol synagogue. I, was, I saw them walking around the different places, and having them here today, um, this over these uh, past few days. I think it was a message—a message, first of all, of hope. Uh, for a Russian Jewry, which, as we spoke at our deleted, uh, infamously deleted um, uh, episode—the first one—the first deleted podcast. Yeah, the other one was the was deleted due to internal uh, pressures from certain individuals who were ultra sensitive, but. Um, <laughs> But as we spoke about the, the the responsibility really came out, the responsibility of rabbis in Russia really, really came out to me so clearly in this, um, in this trip. When I saw, you see that the rabbis, Rabbi Lazar himself, they're totally invested in their communities. They're not pulpit rabbis like others who are there to make big statements and move on to the next, uh, they use their their synagogues as a stepping stools for their for their careers. I know let's find a better opportunities elsewhere so I could move on. They are investing their lives, their times, their everything with the and for the future of their community.
0: Right. The only the only Chabad rabbis in Russia that I know of, correct me if I'm wrong, the only Chabad rabbis in Russia that left in uh, recent years were those that were forced to leave. And nobody left willingly, nobody left by their own I'm choice. I'm
1: sure some people did, did leave by their own choices. You know, it, uh, Chabad, uh, even though it is a lifelong commitment, doesn't mean that uh, some people can't make it. Our own grandfather couldn't make it in Brazil. He moved on.
0: Right, that's why That's why I said in, in recent years, more specifically, and uh, relating to the conflict, uh, I could be wrong, but my understanding is that the shluchim don't leave unless they have no choice and that sometimes no choice can mean whether it's not, it's not working out for you. It's not uh, working out financially or from a security perspective, but those that are able to make it chose to make it.
1: That's right. So uh, th- there are, I'm sure some people that, uh, that have, uh, that have left, uh, willingly or know, circumstances brought them to find other opportunities or better opportunities, or they didn't fit in their family settings or whatever it is. But uh, yes, people, the Chabad rabbis who are in Russia, as the Chabad rabbis in Ukraine, as Chabad rabbis in Munster Indiana, and any other places, are fully committed to strengthening their Judaism, as they, they, in the Judaism in their place. And as the Rebbe once said, that when uh, even though the Rebbe was so vocal about the various issues, which the Rebbe uh, has thought to uh, to has sought to correct and fix in Israel and. Uh, and in Israeli, uh, you know, politics, or the way they, they look at things, and the Rebbe spoke about it uh, several times, uh, different laws, that the uh, Yehudi, or other things, which the Rebbe spoke, very, very, was very, very vocal about them in the family. And then the once the Rebbe said, we come to a, to a shliach and ask him, what is your opinion about about this issue in Israel? And the shliach should say, maybe it's a great, great issue, but it's not my issue. And my issue is Yiddishkeit in my city.
0: I have I have a job to do and don't and don't get in the way of me fulfilling my uh, mission and doing what exactly. I have to do. So
1: a a job of of a, of a rabbi any rabbi is not to make world statements. A job of a rabbi is to strengthen his community. And unfortunately and that is we spoke at length in that uh, deleted episode is about the people who use their opportunities to advance use their communities to advance their own uh, their own uh, whatever it is the, the thing that they think oh i made the major difference in the world now everybody looks at me as i'm a great friend of the liberal free world because i made that statement what did you help what did you help your community with doing that what did you help humanity did you stop the war did you help curb anti-semitism
0: i asked a question on uh on twitter a few weeks ago right around the time that the uh Wall Street Journal reporter was, was arrested by, in Russia and some of his colleagues and friends were promoting uh, people to have an empty seat at their Seder in honor of uh, Evan uh, Gershkovich. And I asked an, an instant question because I really did want to know the answer. W- what are they hoping to accomplish by this campaign of having an empty seat at the Seder? And of course, we know that the Rebbe was, uh, the Rebbe spoke about it in the past, in the 70s, when people of suggested having an empty seat at the Seder in in solidarity with Jews behind the Iron Curtain. And the Rebbe said, sure, have an extra seat at the Seder and then go call someone that doesn't have a place to be at the Seder and invite him to fill that empty seat. But I I was really genuinely curious what the thought process was in this campaign. Now obviously behind the scenes there's diplomatic things going on and there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, political uh, machinations and negotiations going on and I don't know anything about that but when it comes to making statements and political campaigns and we know that the Rebbe was opposed to large-scale protests and demonstrations in Washington's against the Soviet Union because not only would it not help it could potentially do harm And when you make those loud statements and it's all about yourself and not about the people that you're serving and it's not about the people that need the actual help, then you really need to uh, take stock of what your motivations are and why you're doing it. And if it's all about making a name for yourself and promoting your own agenda, then uh, maybe you're in the wrong business. Maybe you shouldn't be a rabbi.
1: And, And, you know, sometimes it is important, though. It can't knock it down. It's important to raise awareness within yourself raise awareness to others okay i understand that but to make this whole thing is this focus without thinking about what are the the consequences and the bottom line what did it help that you uh, made a statement nothing
0: Who, who did it help other than yourself
1: yourself and then help. it, now, it make your life
0: more miserable. One of our, one of our mutual friends replied to me on Twitter and said that the reason you're asking this question is because in your mind everything has to have a purpose other people don't think that way you were raised as a labavacher, as a Shliach, as a Chassid of the Rebbe that every moment of your life every waking moment of your life has to have a reason and you have a mission and everything that you do has to be in order to fulfill that mission and other people aren't like that I don't know if I necessarily agreed with him but at least to put things in perspective some people do things just because, without a reason and I guess I I can accept that I don't have to agree with it, but I can accept it
1: Mm -hmm. so um, yes, that's also true you know, you could, you could have a break with uh, a little bit between uh, you know mission and mission. Ben isuk le al pasuk as the mission statement used to say. Between one mission term and another mission, just read another another pasuk. But still, um, the the beauty of having these uh, so many rabbis together and and you know spending so so long as a as the chief rabbi of Azerbaijan, our good friend Shneur Segal. Uh, our yeshiva mate, uh, Shneer Segal. Uh, so he told me, listen, I spent uh, five days, no phone reception, and <laughs> spent five days talking to, uh, to the students uh, from uh, from Azerbaijan. I think they, you know, it's, it's an eye opener for them. It's an eye opener for the rabbis. You know, the rabbis uh, learn to see what are the challenges and things that youth, uh, which are maybe half their age or even less, uh, have to deal with or deal with. And it's an opportunity for 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 really developing a very, very close relationship with with your people. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful project. And for me to witness it here and to see how um, how this is really happening, is, it was really an eye-opener. So this is one thing that I was busy with in the
0: past uh, few okay. days. What else? Your life seems a lot more exciting than most of ours. Uh, uh, no, not exciting at all, but... Um,
1: I, th- I did I tell you that I was at the, in Antakya last week?
0: No, you didn't. See, you were offline, and you didn't even share that.
1: No, so I was in Antakya. Antakya is, of course, the epicenter, one of the epicenters of the earthquake, and um, the mayor of uh, of Beolo, which is one of the districts of Istanbul where our Shul is, um, made a uh, uh, an iftar, which is a breakfast, of a Muslim breakfast, uh, to which he invited. To Antakya, uh, sharing an iftar with thousands of people there, and invited all religion, all clergy from Istanbul to come join him on a flight to Antakya. The chief rabbi of Turkey came, and myself, I'm the rabbi of the Ashkenazi uh, community, and other rabbis here from Istanbul. There was the Greek Orthodox uh, patriarch in his and uh, his entourage, and from every um, segment of the Turkish. Uh, society. There was a group of 10 people, journalists and members of parliament and politicians and clergy. It was a very, 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 colorful flight because everybody was wearing their various... uh, Except
0: for you in black and white.
1: Except for me from black and white. No, the other uh, priests also wearing only black and white. I was actually not that so black and white as as the Greek Orthodox Patriarch told me, uh, Rabbi Mendy, you are very colorful
0: socks. (laughs) <laughs> ah yes yeah
1: i uh,
0: between the socks and the tie we can uh, express our colors a little bit
1: exactly so i i'm very keen on uh, happy socks and uh, they're produced in turkey by the way so i'm supporting our local team so uh so yes it was it was quite quite an, an opportunity first of all to 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 uh, to be back in Antakya after being there uh just short few hours after the earthquake and again being at the synagogue and seeing the destruction of the city and seeing it again and reliving what I saw just a couple hours after the earthquake was really a, a, an awakening for me. It was also an opportunity again to see the mosaic of what we call Turkey is and uh, really it's a place of many many uh, religious traditions here and as I told one of uh, one of the people whom I traveled with and I said uh, uh, religion by definition for uh, for every person who believes that his religion is the ultimate truth and yes and our religion for us is our ultimate truth and it is our ultimate truth and some other for other people they have their own ultimate truths and um, and we live do live side by side and we do live in parallel I mean, it's not always an. App- we don't always have the opportunity to uh, to speak to each other. And even though, uh, in general, we Jews or anybody, are opposed to religious dialogue. I don't have, you know, my religion is my religion, your religion is your religion. I'm not going to talk to you about my religion. You Don't talk to me about your religion. I don't like religious dialogue. I like dialogue between religious people
0: about non-religious subjects
1: about none even about religious subjects, but as long as we don't discuss our religions or compare, so I had a great uh, great dialogue with uh, with our my uh, with Syriac friends in Aramaic and how often do you use Aramaic? I said, well, I think most Jews know quite a few words in Aramaic so sorry, are you kidding
0: me I said no <laughs> 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 yeah, but da, I mean, she, yeah, there's
1: only Talmudic uh, people who are versed in, in, in Talmud, learn some Talmud, no But is Gadal, is Gadash, yid Gadal, yid Gadash, I think most Jews know. Right. <laughs> At least right. Some, part, some parts of them. And I started saying that, and you know, it sounds very familiar. He understood every word. Because he uses Aramaic as his day to day. Okay, that's a, that's a little bit of a different dialect. I also f- found out that. Uh, we had our, our flight was delayed, so we were sitting in some uh, in some uh, coffee shop, and uh, me and the other rabbis, we could only eat, uh, you know, uh, um, pistachios, and everybody else was was having uh, ice cream and chocolate and, and food. And we were, so the, uh, the guy asked me, why are you guys not eating anything? So we coach. I said, well, you really keep all the laws it says in Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, it says, I'm not really sure where it says it, but yes, we do keep all the laws. Then you know much more than us so exactly the verse. Exactly. So I said, yeah, of course. So then from there, it came to a whole discussion about the Aramaic, Yitz Gadal, or Yifgadal Gadal, or gadal. And, and so we had a whole discussion between myself and a Chaldean priest and a Syriac priest, and how they say lachmo, lachmo means bread. So uh, the Chaldeans say lachma, like the Sephardic, and uh, the Syriac says lachmo, like Ashkenazi. Like, so it was quite interesting that even in their uh, Aramaic, they have these two, two different versions. Whether it is a Patach is patach, is you know, comets is comets of Patach is Patach and it, it was quite But it, there's nothing
0: about the kit about Kitney and Pesach, they don't have that.
1: Nothing nothing about kidneys and Pesach, even though I did try to explain to them the whole concept of mechiras Hummits because it was I just as as I was talking to them I got a WhatsApp from one of my friend my friends who did not sell his hummets. So I uh as we know, it's being about kosher. So I was telling my friend that well, I have a friend of mine who's now going to spill out uh, five bottles of, uh, of, uh, of single malt. So why would he spill out five? Bottles? Let him give it to us. He says, Maybe he can give it to you if he's not your friend because he shouldn't have any benefit from, from, uh, from these uh, whiskeys. So so asked you know, me, did you drink all your whiskey uh, in uh, just before Passover? I said no. Uh, what happened? Well, yeah, I sold it. When you, you sold it, so, I, so I, I took out the contract of how do you make the and they were fascinated by the details. You can and read I, it to
0: them in Aramaic.
1: They they really thought that. Okay, never mind. They thought they're off the wall. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, we, no. al, we we also think we're off the wall. But, they,
1: but they, they also thought we were off the wall, but they didn't think that we were so, to such a degree. But it was quite interesting.
0: Yeah, you, uh, you you open your mind a little bit and uh, be willing to have conversations with people. And like you said, you don't have to have dialogue. You don't have to, you don't have to debate and compare your religions. But just to have this uh, ability to converse and communicate with people that have different lives than you and have different experiences than you. In America, it's a lot harder because... It's pretty straightforward. Everybody's pretty much the same. Even people that have uh, other backgrounds, after a generation or two here, everybody pretty much lives the same type of life. Even the Jews in America, and Muslims, and Hindus, and people from other countries. Uh, There's the Polish uh, Americans, and Ukrainian Americans, and Indian Americans. Everybody, at the end of the day, two or three generations later, even if they're still proud of their heritage and their lineage, but they consider themselves American first and they have that common language. You go out, you go outside of America and you, you see a lot more of the diversity and the, and when you're able to come together, that's pretty fascinating. And that's why I like talking to you, Mendy, because at least through you, I get to experience all of these kinds of, uh, diverse ideas and parts of the world.
1: was quite interesting. Very, very colorful, very, uh, um, you know, many, many tones of black and white and different types of hats. And people, you know, it, it's so funny. People ask me, "When do you graduate from this hat to that hat?" Next start explaining it. No, I'm not graduating from no hat. It's the same hat I have since my bar mitzvah. And then somebody say, why did he, Why is my hat uh, more narrow than before? Says, "Well, it wasn't that I was lowered in rank. It's just I got a free hat that they look at <laughs> 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 and the Knesset Shulchan." And the only one that was left of my size was a narrow brim, and that's why that's how I got that. And then they came to discussion. It was quite, it was quite fascinating and quite funny. And then they ask you, how come, you know, from a Hasidic rabbi, how come I don't have long pace? So I explained to them that the Hasidic rabbis doesn't go by long pace. It's just that it depends on your background. Right. And if I would have been a Hasidic rabbi from Hungary or from Romania... I probably have long pays,
0: but you wouldn't be living in Istanbul at this point if you were a Hasidic rabbi from another uh, movement.
1: Yeah, but you know, good in theory can be a Hasidic rabbi from an, from Hungary living in Istanbul. But if I would be a Hasidic rabbi who has his uh, ancestry comes from Poland, I would have long pays but tied under my yarmulke. Right. And if I would have, uh, uh, you know, so I explained that these that doesn't what that's not what makes a Hasidic rabbi a Hasidic rabbi a Hasidic rabbi. If we have, you know you're attached to to, to a rebbe to somebody who. A guide tells you what to do, but so anyway, it was it was quite an interesting, interesting encounter. And going back to Antakya was also uh, an important awakening for me. And what can I say?
0: Is there rebuilding going on over there, or they're still cleaning up? Now
1: they're still cleaning up, and it's gonna take many many years to rebuild. You know, it's an historic place, and you gotta try to build it uh, true to its past, or you gotta just press reset and restart the whole city from new. And it's very, very difficult. It's so many, you know, thousands and thousands of buildings that have to be taken apart, and not, not, not an wow. easy situation. Not an easy situation. And we have elections coming up in this, uh, in in this country soon. So you know, we wish all sides to be very successful, and mutually successful. And
0: I oh, mean, hopefully, uh, there's go- there's good, good news, good, good news and good stories to share. All right, Mendy. Good talking to you, Eliezer. It's and care. I'll see you.